pertinent to where we are right now in life. So I'm going to, I am going to combine two thoughts today and try to bring them together when uh, Daniel and what an awesome job our sound crew and video crew and ministry crew are doing. What an awesome, incredible, incredible job. But just, I saw some things they were preparing for our, for our house, incredible things we're preparing to go to Daystar with. Uh, Pastor Ron and I was, Pastor Ron was so humble, but Saturday morning, we, Pastor Ron and I are going to have an opportunity to minister to 150 million marriages in the world Saturday morning. And we thank God for that opportunity. We thank God for our, our sound crew that puts all that together. And you know, I thank God for Paul. Not Paul, the, the Paul, our Paul. All day yesterday, served the church, ran here, ran there, uh, between the Stovalls and the Deckers and Paul. What you see this afternoon is three or four families getting together and making it happen. I appreciate people that are not afraid to work in the kingdom, whether they're paid, whether they're acknowledged, whether they're blessed. I thank God. I thank God for that. And I thank God for you supporting the kingdom and what God is saying and what God is doing. When the sound crew asked me for a title, my title this morning was a little, little um, touchy. And I, I want to focus on the thought, why grace when there's favor? Why grace when there's favor? And about two very key words in life. The word grace, we know the, uh, the um, thought behind grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is giving you something you do not deserve. Mercy is not giving you something you do deserve. Favor is a whole other package. The word grace is found over 150 times in the Bible, Old Testament, New. It begins with Noah finding grace in the face of God. Mostly through the Old Testament, people are finding grace. And then we see that grace becomes a gift. And God begins to give grace. When you watch the birth of Jesus, the Bible said that Mary found grace in the eyes of God. When Jesus was born, he found grace in the eyes of God. The very last book, Revelation 22, the last chapter, said that Jesus is a God of grace and mercy. When the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank God for grace. How many songs that we've sang, I remember... Uh, he looked beyond my fault and saw my need. Starts out with amazing grace will always be my song of praise. I like the, the thought that no matter where you're at, God's grace can come to where you are. And grace doesn't mind getting dirty. Grace does not mind getting there as low as the enemy can push us into a pit. Or as high as the enemy can put us into a palace. God's grace can come to where we're at. And I thank God for grace. There's nothing like grace in the, whole, in the whole universe. Nothing like grace. But there are people in life that take advantage of the fact that if I mess up, God's grace will forgive me. And you're 100% correct. But sometimes we have a tendency to take the stand, if I mess up on purpose, God's grace will still protect me. I'm not God. I cannot make that judgment. But there is a fine line between us falling down and getting up or perverting grace to such a degree that we do whatever we want to do and then we ask God to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness. I'm not God. 
So I cannot tell you whether God does or do that. But here's what I can tell you. If you stay in that chapter of your life, you'll never read the epilogue. If you stay in that place in your life where every day you're struggling, where every day you're just trying to get through the day, you're trying to get through the day without beating somebody up, trying to get through the day without flipping somebody off, Listen, I'm telling you, it's, 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 t- it's tough sometimes just to overcome the basics of life. Can anybody relate? I mean, just the basics of life. And if you feel like you're struggling today with what you struggled with last year, or you feel like just giving up and just giving into that struggle, I don't believe that's the place that God has for you and the place where God wants you to walk. I, um, I, I did, a, I did a, uh, a thought concerning favor. I'm trying to remember what it was. Faith in the anointing to be victorious in every realm. F-A-V-O-R. That's how it's spelled, isn't it? It is. Faith in the anointing to be victorious in every realm. And we know there are two realms. We know there's a physical realm and there is a spiritual realm. We know that Nehemiah found favor with God in a natural realm. We know that David found favor with God in a natural realm. Moses found favor with God in a natural realm. But there are times in our life when God will come to where we are and bless us in a spiritual realm that we can walk in the attitude of, and how simple, everything is going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. When Pastor Ron has shared this story about, about favor, and maybe, maybe some of us don't even realize the favor that is upon us, but when, when she called and uh, we, we bought a, actually I went to preach for Billy Burke, I drove my cousin's wife's car, and I liked it so well, I just drove it home. Of course, she was not pleased about that, she was not happy about that, I'm still sleeping on the couch when I go down there to visit because of, uh, of he bought her a newer, Volvo, a newer Lexus and she hates it, she wants the old one back. But when, when, when I came home, we never had a flat tire, never felt like there was any need to check the lug wrench or the, or the spare tire or any of that, and they're headed out on the road, and they break down, and they call me, and I was going to bring the notes. I got a piece of paper. I called nine tow trucks, tow, tow truck companies, and I called three Magwill shops. I called Gadsden. I called Birmingham. No one had the luck to take these wheels off this car. No one. And so I was getting ready to call Matt, and we are going to get the flatbed, and we are going to go get her, pull the Lexus up, and then come and try to figure out a way. How, that's, that's where it had gotten. I called everybody. I picked up the phone to call Pastor Ron and say, hey, I'm sorry. You go on with your mom and dad. I'll get you home. I'll come get the car. And when I went to push her number, her number shows up, and she said, you're not going to believe what has happened. And she shared the story. The guy, the guy said he never pulls over. I never pull over. I just, I just, I just, you know, I just, I might call 911 for him, but I don't want to pull out, get shot, drug, you know, all that. Hello. I mean, he gives us wisdom sometimes not to pull over. But for some reason, this guy pulls over. I don't, I can't tell you because they're all on the side of the road and they're all singing, holding hands, kumbaya, expecting the move of God, or they're driving a a 20,000. I I don't, I don't know why he pulled over. He said God told him to. So maybe God did. So he pulled over, got the tool out, and then, and then Pastor Ronna called and said, uh, what should I do? I said, I said, ask him to leave the tool. She goes, oh, no, I can't do that. So, well, ask him what size the tool is. He leaves the tool. He leaves the tool. Then we get, they go to the gas station to, to check all the tires. He's there, checks all the tires, makes sure everything's good. Was he an angel? You never know. You, 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 you never know. But I do know this, that you can walk in an area of favor when everybody else sits by the side of the road and has to tow something home, that God can send somebody at the right time, at the right place, just for you. 
if spiritually you feel like you're walking an area of, I really want to understand what God's word has to say, but I'm not, I'm just not really, I'm just not really tying into it. God can send a Philip to every eunuch. God can send a, God can send someone to you saying, let me share with you what the scripture means right now in your life. That's favor of God. So, so many of us, so many of us are enjoying grace when we could be walking in favor. See, see, as, as we need grace less and less, we begin to mature more and more. I want to tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, I drink a lot less shooters today than I did 31 years ago. I'm telling you, I drink a lot less beer today than I did 31 years ago. I am not doing as much Coke or marijuana today as I did 31 years ago. Matter of fact, I stopped buying drugs 31 years ago and started buying houses, and I have 11 now. Well, the bank has them, but I get to put my, my, my plants in their yard. I don't have to go to God anymore and say, God, please forgive me for cussing that person out. I just pray in tongues. Oh, yeah, I, I get up tight. I just pray. So let the Holy Ghost cuss them out. I don't know. Wh- whoever's... Just, just, just start praying in tongues. I mean, I mean, I don't have to pray anymore. I pulled out the other, the other day, and a gummer. Who knows what a gummer is? It's someone in the north that wants to move to Florida. They don't have any teeth. They're old. They're retired. And we call them gummers. So I don't offend anybody. I'm called gummers. But the other day, I pulled out a Taco Bell or, or, or Hardee's with a cup of coffee, and a gummer pulls right, right dead in front of me. <laughs> coffee all over the suburban. And you know what I thought? Paul's had this car for a while, and it smells like Paul. But now it's going to smell like coffee. Praise God that God allowed the whole front of the... Yeah. Paul smelled like Alabama. <laughs> now, listen, I could have said North Carolina. I could have said he, wherever he's from, I would have picked on him today because he didn't care. He didn't care. He just loves what God is doing, loves us so much. He just lets us beat up on him, and I, I enjoy doing it. God has given him favor to enjoy the cheap shots that I put on him. Aren't you glad you're part of a family? Aren't you glad you're part of something that's going on? In Romans 1 and 20, it says this. Where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. There are two apocalyptic chapters in the Bible. The word apocalyptic simply refers to last days, end time. One of them is Luke 17. And it's in Matthew 24. And in Matthew 24, as Jesus begins to list, point by point by point by point, he begins by saying the temple's going to be trashed. 30 years later, it was trashed. He says there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, pestilences, men hating one another, men being offended, people doing this, doing that. And then he says this. And because sin doth abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So here's what he prophesies. In the last days, sin will be so rampant and so dominant and so prevail that people will get their eyes off the things of God and become fascinated by the things of the world. And there's a fascination right now about, about the things that are taking place. You watch Hollywood. Hollywood knows more about the second coming of Christ than we do. Hollywood knows more about the Holocaust that's about to come than we do. I have a music mentor of many, many years, and I think he's gone on to be with the Lord, but his name was Larry Norman. And Larry Norman was, part, was uh, partying with Edgar Winter and Johnny Winter and Phil Driscoll. 
And uh, he had a personal relationship with, with God and turned his life over. He'd written so many incredible songs and just a, just a great songwriter, great singer, albino. I mean, just a great guy to be around. But he sang a song, and this was, this was probably about 30 years ago. He sang a song that went like this. Life was filled with guns and wars, and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. I want to be a part of the church now. I want to be used of God now. I don't want to miss the second coming of, of what God is doing. I don't want to miss the revival that God has promised. I don't, I don't want to miss the finances that God has promised. I do not want to miss the world-shaking revival that's about to take place. I don't know how he's going to bring it to pass, but I feel in my spirit as Hosea went to God and said, God, Gomer has cheated on me. She had been around for years. She hasn't seen her kids. God, can I have a divorce? And God said, Hosea, I hate divorce. Why don't you do this? I'm going to teach you how to pray a hedge of thorns around Gomer, that her wine becomes flat. Her lovers become uninterested. Everything that she reaches out to becomes disparaging and, and unpleasant. And as he prayed that prayer, sure enough, God began to answer Hosea's prayer. God felt impressed to, to tell Hosea, go check on your wife. And when he got to where his ex-wife, or his wife was, she was being sold on the auction block. And so Hosea took it with him. He purchased her, and then he said, you're free to go wherever you want to go. And she said, I want to come home. And that hedge of thorns brought Gomer back to her husband, back to the husband of her youth, back to her children, restored just as if she had never dropped the ball. I received a phone call this week from a, a very dear friend that asked me if I would meet with his brother. And I said I would. His brother was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Wrong thing went down and, and, and brought him to a place of, of complete submission and, and depending upon God. And as we met Friday night there at Starbucks, we were sharing, just walking through the things. I said, you know what? I believe there's someone in your life that's praying a hedge of thorns around you so that you could come back to the things of God, the call of God, the purpose of God. In light of that, I remember a story. Make sure I'll tell this story correctly. Abraham Lincoln went to one of the auction blocks. I believe it was in, not Charlotte, North Carolina, but the other, um, the other city right there on the coast that had the, do you remember, went, went preached for, wasn't Charlotte, but it was, anyway, where? No, not Raleigh. It's right there on the coast, Charleston. And, uh, and he, went, he went to visit Charleston. He is the president of the United States. He goes to visit uh, Charleston. And there's a young lady, a black young lady, being sold on the auction block. And uh, he, uh, he purchased her. He paid for her. And they brought her to him. And he looked at her and said, you are free to go. And she said, does that mean I can do whatever I want to do? He said, yes, that's what that means. Does it mean that I can have whatever I want to have? He said, yes, that's what it means. Does that mean that I can, I, can, I can go anywhere I want to go? He said, yes, that's what that means. And she said, I want to go with you. And that's the love of God that comes to where we're at, saves us, cleanses us, restores us, redeems us, and then said, if you want, you can pursue the higher things of me. If you want, you can pursue getting closer to me. If you want, you can follow the word of God and be what I want you to be. Or... You just be a Sunday morning Christian, go when you want, support when you want, do what you want, and on, on that day of days, I'll have mercy on you and say, come into the kingdom of God. 
I don't want to be one of those guests. I don't want to be one of those visitors. Many years ago, Disneyland, not Disney World, Disneyland, which I, I grew up around, uh, had a, uh, a book of tickets. And they had A tickets, and they had B tickets, all the way up to E. And the E tickets were the, the, the Pirates of the Caribbean, the, the, uh, the, 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 the Man at Rail, the, uh, all the real great rides, and the A's and B's were for the, you know, the smaller rides. And uh, Disneyland had a 16-foot wrought iron fence all the way around it. And so one day, me and a couple of guys, we just graduated from high school, and we were kind of bored. So we decided we were going to break into Disneyland. And so we got it planned, and we saw a place that nobody could see us, and we could, we could maneuver our way up this bush, this tree, get over the, over the wall. Nobody could see us, and we did it. We accomplished it. And we were so proud of ourselves, and we were walking around Disneyland, and here's all the games, and here's all the rides, and here's all this and all of that. And all of a sudden, we realized we got in, but we didn't have any tickets. So although that was all available, it was all there, because we didn't come in the right way, we couldn't play. And I believe a lot of people are going to get to heaven and be shocked of all the things they could have been involved in, of all the things they could have been a part of, but they just did the minimum. They got over however, however way they could get in, and there they're stuck. I don't want to be stuck in eternity with, with, with one that has not pursued the things of God and one of the things of God in my life. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Where sin doth abound, and grace doth much more abound. I was going to touch just a little bit on last days, but because of the time, I will not. This um, past January, Courtney and I went to Atlanta, and uh, we went to the U2 concert. And uh, there were 83,000 people there in the Atlanta Stadium, and, and we, we got there early, and there was another band called Muse. They... They had a great show, then, then you two came out, and probably the great, greatest show I've ever been a part. I've been to a lot of rock concerts, but probably the greatest rock concert I've been to. They spent $750,000 on the stage, just the stage alone. Uh, David Bowie opened by singing uh, Space Oddity. They did about five or six uh, encores, but then they came out, and uh, they started doing uh, Amazing Grace a cappella. As I was in that concert setting, and, and of course, you know, the, there were three guys over here sitting next to us that before you 2 even started to play, they had drank eight beers apiece. Eight beers apiece. At $8 a beer, first of all, we're in the wrong line of work. But I'm, I'm sitting looking at them like that. I said, now, who's the, who's the designated driver? And, and they all kind of pointed like, and I told Courtney, I said, we're going to give them a, head, a way head start before we leave this building. And then I, then I wanted Courtney to enjoy all the benefits of a rock concert. And so, so part of the concert, I said, Courtney, quick, turn right, take a deep breath, not too deep of a breath. I want you to experience the smell of marijuana. So we got the, we got the drunks, we got the drugs, we're sitting there, great concert. And what I've, what I've learned about you too, many of the people know some of their songs. Uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Uh, Sunday, Bloody Sunday. Uh, and and they've just got some great, incredible, phenomenal songs. But some of the people knew some of the wording. Some of the people knew more of the wording. But when they started singing Amazing Grace, 83,000 people started singing. It was very emotional for me. Now, when I went to a rock concert, we had that big cigarette lighter. And we would, you know, we would do the... But they had their cell phones. 
And so, man, I was, I was moved by God. I got my cell phone out. Man, I'm crying. I'm tearful. I'm having a, I feel like praying in tongues, prophesying. And, and Courtney goes, Dad, Dad, your phone's not on. <laughs> oh, man, there went the anointing. <laughs> the song Amazing Grace is probably the most popular song, not, not just Christian, song of all time. Many movies have featured it. It's been sung. It's been hummed. It's been used for decades and decades and decades. The man that wrote that song was a slave trader. His name was John, make, make sure this is right, John Newton. Several ships with the Ivory Coast stole people, brought them back to America or England to sell them. Many times they would hit the Bermuda Triangle where there was no wind and they would sit for days just completely, uh, just, just desolate. And many of those that were stolen from their home were thrown overboard and, and died there because there wasn't food to feed them. There was a moment in John Newton's life that he had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And not only just turned his life around, got rid of all of his slave ships, got rid of every, everything that he had, and he accepted the call to be a pastor. And as he was preparing, pursuing his ministry, one evening, a little later at night, in London, he was walking down the streets of London, and he passed by what they call a pub, which we call a beer joiner. And as he passed by this pub, he heard this famous beer drinking song. They were doing this song. And as he was listening to this song and, and reflecting on what God had done for him, he took the melody of that song and changed the words. The number one song right now in the world came from a bunch of beer drinking sailors drinking ale in a pub in London. Tell me God cannot turn things around and make the bad things good and the last things first. That man went on to pastor a young man by the name of John Newton. We'll fill in the blanks later. Pastor Barb, do you know you just wave it up? Okay. Yes, what is it? William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce was a Timothy, a disciple of John Newton. And William Wilberforce had a very strong conviction concerning slave trading. He came up with a bill to abolish slave trading. Spent most of his younger life, 25 to 40, most of his life trying to introduce the bill. It never happened, met opposition. One day, when Parliament was only about half full, he called all of his support, and they passed the bill to abolish slave trading in the world. One man, because he had a pastor who was lost without God, that came back to where God was, allowed God to be a part of his life, and the second generation of his ministry did what he did away with what he made his money with. Tell me, God is not faithful. I like the second verse that says, through many dangers, toils, and snares. Notice how that rhymes with lions, tigers, and bears. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Let me ask you, what is dangerous right now in your life about serving God? Are you a couch potato Christian? Are you worshiping at a distance Christian? Are you give a token when available Christian? What dangers 
do you encounter right now in your Christian walk? How about toils? How, how are you working right now for the kingdom? I love a song that came out uh, several years ago that says, what have you done for him lately? Regardless of his political preference or regardless of his lifestyle, one of the most popular statements that's ever touched my world came from John F. Kennedy. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. So, so what, kind of, what kind of toil, what kind of labor right now are you involved in the kingdom? And then snares. How many times have you seen the enemy try to stop and oppose and deceive and, and stop what you're doing and God showed you and God checked your spirit and you, and you saw it and you identified what the enemy was doing and you went the other way and you saw victory because God was directing you and what, and what you're a part of. So what lion, tiger, and bear have you defeated? What, what lion head do you have on your wall? You got a tiger? You got a Goliath? What battles have you already won? Let me tell you something about war. You go to battle, you're liable to get beat up. You're liable to get your knees bruised. You're liable to get a whack or a cut or some kind of shrapnel. You probably have some scars. But the scars remind us of the memoirs of victory that we did not die in that battle. We were overcoming that battle. Yeah, we got beat up, but we are alive. We won, and we're going to the next battle because God's grace <laughs> has brought us safe this far. So thank God for grace. But let me tell you about favor. We were getting ready to leave this morning, and, and Courtney and Christine were riding with me, and I, I got in the Suburban, and I turned it on, and every, every light on the dashboard lit up. That's not good. That's not a good sign. And I, it didn't start, and, and, then I, and then it did start, and I said, Courtney, I'm afraid the Suburb is getting ready to break down. And, Dad's, and Courtney said, Dad, don't, don't speak that. Dad, speak life over the suburban. Speak life. So I said, favor. I, I asked the favor of God to touch the suburban. So, so I, we get it started. We back out the driveway. And Leonard Skinner is doing Saturday night special. And I said, oh, Leonard Skinner. And Courtney said, Dad, Leonard Skinner, that's, that's, that's not Christian music. I, I made a vow to list of Christian music. I said, I said, baby, Leonard Skinner, they're Christians. She goes, Dad, I don't think there's Christians. I get, I'm speaking prophetically. I'm speaking favor. They're going to get saved. Oh, come on, give yourself a hand clap of praise. Take the, take the pressure off me this morning. We're good to pray favor in one area, but in the other, we kind of are a little, a little shy and hesitant to do what God wants us to do. Let me, let me get attention, and I will conclude, and we will be done in just a few minutes. Let me bring attention. Let me bypass. These were really good notes. You really would have been, oh, you would love this too. And then I got half of Pastor Rana's sermon on the back of this. I'm, I'm, te I'm tempted just to preach that. Go with me to 2 Timothy 3 and 1. Guys, if you can pull that up, I, I know I didn't give you warning. The Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 4 and 1 tells t Timothy, Now the Spirit speaketh expressively that in the last days many shall be seduced by doctrines of devils. Many shall leave the original gospel, the original thought, and, per and pursue teaching that is inaccurate. In the second book of Timothy, there's been some, some things happened to the church. At first Timothy, he was pastoring a church of about five to 10,000. Many people don't know that. But the second chapter, there's something happened to the church. Church had a split. Things were happening. Bad stuff was happening. And so the Apostle Paul comes out, 2 Timothy 3 and 1, and begins to share some truths. And let me, 
I will not quote this. I will read it from this New King James. But understand this, that last times there will come times of difficulty. Can anybody relate? Would you say that things are difficult now as they've ever been? Would you say that un- unemployment has never been at the rate that it is now? A qu- an acquaintance, a job acquaintance from 30 years ago, Dr. Robert Shooter, they've just declared bankruptcy. They've lost the Crystal Cathedral. It's lost. They're now meeting in a public high school trying to regroup. Uh, the past three churches that we've talked with in trouble. I went to uh, Jessup, Georgia to help raise some finances for the church, and God, God blessed it, and thank God for that. But have you ever seen things as difficult as they are right now? Gas keeps going up. Price keeps going up. Increase of land taxes. I mean, I don't know what Cleveland or what anybody's thinking. Not only is there less money, but government wants more money from us. I don't know what that's all about. But if you'll listen to Perry's teaching on Friday morning or Friday afternoon, you'll, you'll, you'll get it. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud American Idol, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not knowing good. Anybody relate? Treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure than lovers of God, having the appearance of God but denying its power. Can anybody relate? Notice if you will, verse 10. Because I want to end this with a positive. Have you got it? Everybody there looking at it? You, however, have followed, watch this, my teaching. Pidge, what are you teaching right now, and who are you teaching it to? Actually, what, what, what are you teaching right now, and who are you teaching it to? You see, we should have something that we believe in. We should have some things that hold true. We, we, we don't have to be able to quote the canon or all the, all the things of the Word of God, but we need to know in our testimony what God did for us. And I'm telling you what, your testimony right now, submerged with the blood, is the most powerful ministry in the world today, period. God said it in Revelation 12 and 11. Your testimony, surrounded with blood, just, just saturated in blood, is the most powerful statement that you can make to the world. What are you teaching? The Apostle Paul said, you're not watching the, the way of the world, uh, ever learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth, uh, uh, creeping in and leading silly women uh, captive with sin and, and laden with lust, and talks about the two that came against Moses and how they had their own doctrine. You're not like that. Here's what you're doing. You have a teaching. Notice the next, the next promise that he says. My conduct. You see... You can say all you want to say about the things of God and the goodness of God, but if you look like the world, smell like the world, act like the world, operate like the world, you're voiding out the good word, the good thought, the good stuff that's coming from you. Only you can question yourself and say, what is my conduct? Am I living the devil's standard? Am I living one way when I'm around church and one way when I'm at work and another one with the guys or the girls? What is my conduct? So we, 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 have to have, we, we have to have something that we believe in, that we feel comfortable sharing on our level. There has to be that, that thought that not just talking about it, but doing the righteousness and the things of God. Thirdly, he says, my aim in life. This is Apostle Paul talking. His destiny. What is your destiny? Have you, have you, have you journaled it? Have you listed it? Have you heard from God? Have, have you started preparing? What is it that God has for you? In your life, you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm young. That means nothing to me. 
That means absolutely nothing. You look at Samuel, you look at David, you look at Joseph, you look at Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. They were all young. They all had a destiny. And they found their, the pursuit of destiny young in life. Daniel said, we will not eat your meat, we will not drink your wine. You test us. And at the time of testing, then we will, we will submit to what you have to say. At the time of testing, they were what? Ten times better than anybody else. Was it just because they didn't eat the king's meat, drink the king's wine? No, these kids came from good stock. When, when Jerusalem was trashed, they took just the, just the finest young people, just the sharpest, just the smartest. These were kids that had parents that were godly, that led them in the ways of God. So you have got to know what your destiny is to some degree and begin to make arrangements to prepare for it. I'm preaching better than you're nodding. That's okay. My faith. Christine, Friday night, got filled with the Holy Ghost. She's nine. I said, what did you pray in tongues? And she said, kind of. I'm not sure what that means. But last night, on the, on the computer, there's this weird thing that you can talk into and make your voice real weird. And so Christine is, is praying. I don't know what she's praying. She, but she's saying something. And then it comes out. go so yandara, she don't want to go. I go, wow, that sounds like tongues to me. What is, what, what is your face? You can't go to church 18 years of your life and serve mom's God. You can't go to church 18 years and serve dad's God. You've got to come to a place in your life where you have your own relationship with him. And it doesn't have to be dry and, and, and smelly like your parents. Just, just kidding, parents. Just kidding. I'll come back and heal us in a minute. No, you can, have your, you can journal your own God. You can write about your own God. You can pray your own God. You can search your own God. You can visit your own God. You can look for your own God because he will come to where you're at and reveal himself to you. I promise. I promise. Give the Lord. I promise that we'll preach. Yes, it will. You can be like a Daniel, a David, and a, and a Shad. That's a, we won't bend. We won't bow. Bring on the furnace. Maybe we'll crash and burn. But, but maybe God will deliver us. It doesn't matter. We're not going to compromise. That's a standard that God is raising up to the ministry of the church. The next thing the Apostle Paul says is my patience. How many want it? <coughs> you want it all. And you want it now. <coughs> now don't bother bringing me water. Don't bother looking at Dean or one of the ushers to bring me water. They know. They bring it. I don't drink it. Don't worry about it. We're fine. Just want, to, just want to let you know, the guys aren't dropping the ball. They just know that I will, not, I will not drink it. How many want it? You want it all, and you want it now. How many know who Freddie Mercury is? Probably one of the greatest artists written and performing of all time. Died several years ago of AIDS. But at a rock concert he sang the song I want it all I want it all I want it all I want it now no you get it when God says it's time for you to walk in what I have for you God's calendar I so much cracks me up and I will not give you names but three of the greatest ministries in the nation called me and said what's going to happen 10 10 10 I said, well, I'm going to get up. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to watch 15 minutes of godless propaganda by uh, headline news so I'll know all the baddest in the world. I'll go outside, do my devotions. Why? Why are you asking? 10, 10, 10. 
I mean, something, spirit, something supernatural, something spiritual. I said, let me say something. God does not operate on the Gregorian calendar, which we operate on. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His plans are not our thoughts. His, his, his watch is not our watch. Does that help anybody at all? You've got to wait upon the Lord, and he shall renew your strength, and then you'll mount up. Then you'll walk and not be, then you'll run and not faith. Then you'll have all that God has for you. But you've got to do it on God's time, and you've got to learn how to be patient. And if God is blessing someone next to you, and you see that, be patient, because they had to pay the price. They had to do the homework. They had to, they had to get up considered being faithful, 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 faithful. Then God bless them. Make sure let patience have her perfect work. I have glasses here somewhere. Here. You guys know more about my glasses than you know about I do. Thanks. October 28th. October 28th. Patience. My love. Perfect love. Casting out all fear. Prophetic love. There might be people in your life you don't like, but God's word is telling you you've got to love them so prophetically you begin to practice loving them. Prepare your heart for love. Be, be involved in love. Find, find something that is unlovable and love it, and you'll, you'll never believe what God will do in that, in that scenario. My steadfastness, my, my consistency. Don't be like a tree blown with the wind and tossed. Don't be like a, don't be like a flake, a cornflake that just flakes here and flakes there. Be consistent in the plan that God has given you and in the vows that you've made. Here's bad things. My persecutions and sufferings. The Bible says, beware when all men speak good of you. If you're serving God, all men are not going to speak good of you. Because you're doing something they should be doing. And the only way for them to justify why they're not doing what they're doing is to make you look bad. And that justifies they can be bad because you have messed up. But there are persecutions that are going to come when you're trying to serve God and be what God wants you to be. And guess what? With persecutions, there will be sufferings. There will be times when you will actually suffer for the gospel of Christ. But Jesus said, listen, blessed are ye when men persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake for great is your reward not just in that life which is to come but in the life we live now trust in the Lord with all thy heart and he shall what oh you thought I forgot the theme didn't you Psalm 34, 37 4 and he shall watch this give you the desires of your heart God meets your needs through grace God meets your desires through favor. I believe we need to stop walking in the grace of God and quit apologizing and quit messing up over little, piddly, insignificant things. I think we need to grow up. We need to mature. We need to become consistent in the gospel of Jesus Christ and expect God to follow up with favor because that's what he does. Let's pray. Lord, we believe that we are living in the last days. But you told us in the last days not to be despondent, not to be disparaging, not to be frustrated. Because in the last days is when the church is going to shine. 